welcome to the Six Again podcast, your new destination for all things NRL. Here to bring you everything from team news to best bets are your hosts, Adam Hoy and Jared Mutton. Let's kick off. Hello and welcome in to the Six Again podcast, coming to you as always from Sunshine Coast, Queensland, Australia. We're pretty amped about this episode because it's the first of our 2021 regular season shows. We're back to twice a week. We're pre-recording our Sunday night show as Jared's going away camping and we're ready to bring our first three clubs at you uh, with regards to analysis, team lists, our preferred teams, coaches, stats, all that sort of stuff coming your way as well as the updated latest news of the week. My name's Adam. I'm the resident Manly fan, and my mate on the other end of our Zoom call is Jared. Yeah, I'm. I'm more curious about the picture you got in the background of your Zoom. Oh yeah. So for our <laughs> any new listeners, we do put all our episodes up on YouTube usually a couple of days later. But my background tonight is a little fella in a maroon jersey by the name of Paul Green being chased, Funny. probably in vain by Brian Fletcher. We'll, we'll be honest. Speed wasn't one of his uh, attributes that we talk about, but we did mention on our Wednesday night show that it looked as though Paul Green was going to get the Maroons job and he was successful in gaining that. So congratulations, Paul Green. has been signed up on a one-year contract. That was going to be later in the show, but Jared segued me into it anyway. Yeah, we, we kind of touched on it last time. There's a lot of conversation made about it, but look, Queensland haven't made his mistake in their coach for a long time. So um, he's obviously got the resume there. Why can't he succeed? They've got it. They're, they're current holders of the Origin Shield, so they should do all right with him. I love hearing you say that. <laughs> well, look, I was more mad than anyone losing that. We should not have lost that series with the players. Yeah, 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 the comparisons yeah, yeah. between the players, there's no way in hell we should have lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we are. Hey, brilliant. Okay, thanks. Here we are. Um, yeah, cool. So Jared's going away camping over the weekend. So there's probably going to be stuff that happens over, obviously, Friday, Saturday, Sunday that we're going to have to get to next week. But we're going to continue to go along with what we have planned. So I'm going to crack this. Ooh, that sounded good. What beer you got tonight? I'm revisiting my my friends from down in Mona Vale. Um, I'm wearing my manly Wearing a shirt tonight, um, Modus Operandi Brewing Co. And I've got their apricot and sea salt sour. Uh, that's what I'll be um, sipping on tonight. Very fresh yeah. can there. I, I actually found something out this afternoon. So I didn't advertise it much, but me and my partner, oh, that's were, together good. For, me and my partner were together for six years on Monday night. And... Um, my partner decided while I was at work to go out and pick up a few beers for me that night and we can have a few drinks. She oh, called nice. up Adam. Did she did she said she called you up and you recommended a few craft beers for me? Is that right? Um it was more like she texted me going, oh. what are the craft beers that Jared likes? <laughs> she said she called you up and you gave her a full week. Look, good on her. She went, she did the right thing. So look, I would have had the right one tonight. Yeah, she got Larry's. There we go. She got some Larry's. So she did. I would have had them on tonight, but I've actually drunk them all. So <laughs> See? I Look, I gave her the right choice. <laughs> yeah, I was going to, like, I was playing. I was like, you know what? I'm going to 
thank Adam for doing it on the podcast by bringing the beer on the podcast. But you know what? Shout out to her and shout out to him. It was great, but I wish I could have. But you know, that night I drank them all. <laughs> oh, it's a shame. I've got two in the fridge here, but we're about a 50 minute drive away from each other where we live. So not going to help you out. Um, shout out to our mates at your mates brewing for Larry number four, I believe in the hottest 100 this year. But beers. So completely off topic, but anyway, we will get back to rugby league. And we are on to quick hits and news. So from Wednesday, no injuries in the NRL, but worth mentioning, George Burgess, who played seven years uh, for the Rabbitohs in the NRL, has been granted a release by Wigan as he requires hip surgery. Now, the hip surgery that he requires is quite invasive um, in that it seems as though the only person who can perform this operation in the UK is currently uh, in Afghanistan with the military. So it seems as though George Burgess is going to have quite a painful hip until his specialist returns. And either way, it's going to be a seven month rehab process. So must be a hell of a lot of pain. And for someone who's that big and that much weight to carry, this must be absolute hell for him right now. Hip injury. Not that I know of Adam, but they're the worst. Like that's the one thing you don't want to hurt because you're always using it. So... See, there's our resident Dr. Jared there. I haven't had one, but it hurts like hell and you need your hip. Well, it's pretty logical, <laughs> isn't it? You asshole. I know. That's you want to feel sorry it. for Burgess over here and you're just <laughs> being a wank. <laughs> yeah. Um, with regards to signings, we, the big ones dropped earlier in the week, but Braden Musgrove down at the Knights has been uh, selected in their top 30. In their senior squad, he's 23-year-old outside back. Yeah, so a bit of a background on him. He came through the Newcastle system, um, and then he actually got signed by Penrith. And he, it just some something happened. Um, he didn't work out for him. Penrith cut him, or I think he might have requested a release. He went and played local league in the Hunter. Again, he started in the grand final last year. For the life of me, I, I researched it, but I can't remember who he played for. But they won the grand final 20 points to six with him being the player of the match. Maitland um, Pumpkin Pickers. Yeah. Not so po- po- possibly there's the Sex Not Goalinners, there's a whole heap of players, teams. So, and then he's he's 23 now, um, bit of a late bloomer. He always had the talent there. I don't know what went wrong for him at Newcastle and Penrith, but now he's back on a Started on a tra- tra- train and trial deal at Newcastle. Now he's cracked on the contract. So good on him. Let's see how he goes. He's supposed to be a pretty big boy. So hopefully he can cover a few spots over the year. Injuries, origin, that kind of stuff. Yeah, not sure where the Penrith bit came from because he just came back to Newcastle from Manly. But Penrith must have was been... He manly, was he? Yeah. I thought he... So he came to Manly yeah, from okay. Newcastle and he's gone back. Sorry. It's all good. Glad to look at that too, because he didn't do much for us. Um, update on Payne Huss, Jared. You're more all over this than I am. Yeah. So it came out last week that Payne Huss got arrested last on, I think it was Saturday night or two weeks ago, because I'm like that, verbally assaulting, verbally abusing um, police officers. 
um, right now, what is it, a two-year protection or something like that, new two-year good behaviour bond, essentially, yeah. moving forward. That's what he came out of court today. It actually got released what he said. We're not going to repeat it because it is quite graphic about what he said to the cops. Let's just say it wasn't what a role model should be saying, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but the first thing Adam said, because I actually read out what the courts were to Adam, the first thing Adam said, it made Kevin Wall's job easier picking a captain for Broncos this year because he will not be captain anymore. No. No. I don't believe he should have been. I don't believe he should have been captain, but despite all that, um, he was in the running because of of his obvious leadership potential. And And lack of other candidates. Yeah, that too. And he is a quality footy player, though. He is quality. He's got a big motor and he's a big boy and he can move. But his attitude needs, obviously, readjusting, especially if if he was on the drink that night. Um, yeah, so that's another because that's the second yeah. time in three years, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, so it's a oh. two year conditional release order which yeah. avoids any recorded conviction. So you can already see an NRL club going, Well, technically, he wasn't charged with anything, so there's no reason why he couldn't be a captain. But anyway, but despite all that, late for a young prop to be, yeah, leader as well. Uh, d- despite all that, um, the NRL has not issued their punishment for it so they could still hand down a punishment um at the very least he's is expected to miss part of the first start of the year all right rounds from one quote to another this one's just a bit cheeky uh matt eisenhuth who we both thought quite highly of over the last couple of years at west tigers uh is back with penrith and um not penrith should not have let him go no should not have let him go him and his brother yeah the brother there uh but they're talking about they were interviewing him at Penrith preseason training, and he, it sounds as though he might have been caught off guard because he was honest and maybe too honest. But a couple of my favourite quotes that came out when asked about Penrith preseason training: the standard is a lot higher than what I'm used to. To be fair, yeah. exciting. The players are just a bit more confident because they know where they've been, and if you're not ready, you go to get let. Oh, you get left behind. Um, it's not to say the playing group at the Tigers weren't confident, but winning and playing finals footy breeds confidence. It's enjoyable to come to training, and to be fair, it got a bit unlike that at the Tigers towards the end of the season. I pretty <laughs> love Jesus that. He, he probably finished the interview and he's like, oh, shit, what did I just say? It's honest. No, nah, but... he probably finished interviewing. Half his team from the Tigers probably started ripping into it when they heard it. Oh, it was it was fantastic. Um, Look, the, f- the thing about it is, the thing about it, no one knows if he left on good terms at the Tigers. Doesn't sound like he did, but um, look, you leave a club, you still talk to ninety nine percent of the boys you left the club to. So it'll be the media blowing this up and people like us because we think it's a hilarious thing to say. But I did guarantee you the Tigers don't give shit what he had like. Oh no, the Tigers don't. I don't yeah, think it's a big story. I think it's the the teammates at West Tigers, um, mates of his, are definitely going to have a target on his back. That oh, percent They would have had brilliant. that anyway. Yeah, He's, he would have had that anyway. But um, and Ivan yeah, Cleary yeah. gave him his di- debut at West Tigers when Cleary was there, so he's happy to link back up with him. And um, I guarantee you they will come out in the media two days before Tigers and Pembroke play. Oh yeah. Yeah, Huge. it's gonna come out. It'll again. be the first. It'll be the first Penrith player interviewed. <laughs> now, yeah. 
some story that some news that broke earlier in the week. Uh, we we looked at throwing it on Wednesday night show. We just didn't have time. But two of the expansion bid teams in Brisbane, the Brisbane Bombers, uh, so the the city ones, and the Ipswich based um, team, or the what do they call the Western Corridor bid, have joined into Ipswich one Jets. overall expansion bid. Yeah, based out of Ipswich Jets, but they were calling it the Western Corridor because it was greater Ipswich and, and surrounding areas. Um, so it's a big move by both by both syndicates, considering they were trying to get in individually. Um, but strength in numbers, I guess, is, is what they're going with to try and be the 17th NRL team. And there's more and more certainty around the fact that there will be an expansion team in 2023. It seems to be the year that this is going to be Put forward. Uh, Peter Vlandes has spoken about his preference for there to be a second team in Brisbane uh, around that time. So with two of the syndicates going together, you still got the Redcliffe Dolphins by themselves, who are very strong. Uh, the Brisbane Roar are actually playing their home games out of Dolphin Stadium this season. And also the Brisbane Firehawks, who are based out of East Tigers. And they had to change their name from Tigers to Firehawks because there's already a Tigers. So when you put those two bids together, you're now looking at um, a catchment area, including Logan, so Southern Brisbane, Ipswich and Toowoomba, um, three very strong rugby league uh, nurseries, breeding grounds, you could call them. It's, it's a smart move. There's obviously going to be hurdles now, what they're going to be called, what a new logo they're going to have to come up with, restart that process again, but better doing that now and trying to make their bid look even stronger or a higher chance of being successful. Um, yeah. I, I, I love that. One, because of the fact that I think Broncos will really struggle with another team playing out of the same stadium. Um, and like Adam said, this is going to make a powerhouse a very hard bid to ignore to get a team. Um, the smart money a few months ago was actually on Firehawk because they actually came out and branded themselves. Like they released mm. their own um, logo. They released everything, like got the, got the business set up. They done everything, put a lot of things in place. But now I don't think they're going to beat. What are they going to call themselves? I think it's the Brisbane Jets um, combined themselves. Yeah. Oh, these the two team. teams, the Brisbane Jets. Yeah, yeah. Brisbane Jets. Um the thing I'm kind of disappointed about is this: I think that Redcliffe should have an NRL team. Yeah, I, I'm. And that, oh, I, I, yeah, we. Yeah, I, I look. Look, I just think that they've earned it. They've been such a strong club for, you know, they last longer than NRL clubs have. They've been around for however long. Um, I, I just think that they, they have everything there. They have the sports club. They have the stadium. They have the a really good field. Um it's such an easy thing to do, but this, this club's come in and obviously they're the favorites now, this com- combination of two different ones combining to make one superpower for a bid. Um, but I just feel like Redcliffe have earned the right to be front runners. Does that make sense? Like, I yeah, just- no, I, I hundred percent agree with that. It's a couple of things by doing this, this merger, what, what the biggest advantage is just playing numbers. So at the moment, the catchment area of Ipswich, Toowoomba and Logan, you're looking at 19,000 players um, set to rapidly grow to 1.5 million in 20 years, which is just gross to listen to from my point of view. But anyway. Yeah, 400 square metres. 
Oh, yeah. Huge growth area <laughs> of the game. Um, putting, obviously, the Brisbane Bombers and Ipswich Jets together. There's always going to be an aviation theme, hence the Brisbane Jets. And But I think one thing the Dolphins still have, I couldn't, I couldn't really draw favouritism, is the fact that they have their own stadium. So this team would yeah. be playing out of, out of stadium, although they'd be based in Ipswich. Yeah. Not the closest drive, but Redcliffe having their own stadium there, A, that's going to prolong the field at Suncorp. Less scheduling issues, you would assume, especially when the Queensland Reds are, are going to be vying for turf as well. Who knows what uh, Brisbane Aurora are going to be doing once they uh, come back after COVID and all that sort of stuff. Um, I still think Redcliffe have got that up their sleeve that they just put all this yeah. it's brand new and the fact that Redcliffe obviously don't have what the same catch there as the others but they've got uh North Brisbane and Sunshine Coast yeah. uh outside of the Falcons feeder club for Melbourne that's a huge area of people Caboolture Moray Field very strong rugby league areas uh, <laughs> no it's not <laughs> over time <laughs> no I'm just kidding <laughs> jeez <laughs> We've just had some nasty matches against them uh, in the past. <laughs> How are you laughing at that? Oh, mate, I just remember you said strong. They are not strong. <laughs> Over time, they have been. <laughs> no, they want an A-grade premiership in about 10 years. I don't care about A-grade premierships. We're talking about well, fixed grounds, breeding of talent, exactly. all that that's sort where of you're stuff. Supposed to, that's where they get them, A-grade local. Yeah, they're not going to stay there. Yeah, but you pull pull them out of local still, A grade. You're not going to pull them out of local playing, C grade, Com. If you're playing local A grade, you've missed your chance of getting scouted. Where do you think that is picked if, up, Brady? Unless you're playing like, but he's been in NRL systems before he went back to play A grade. They already knew who. Yeah, and but he, they picked him on the form of playing A grade. Did they not? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> we yes. just talked about a guy who just got picked up from an A grade grand final. And he yeah, but he's already open, and then but he he's already played open. in two NRL systems. Like it doesn't matter who he was, and he got cut, and they said, "Oh, tabs on him in case he gets better." It it's completely different he's story. Playing A-grade. He's playing the same level Caboche is. Uh, I reckon if we looked it up, ninety percent of NRL players never would have played A grade for any club. They would have just been picked up earlier than that and gone straight through feeder clubs into. Have I ever told you the story about how Wayne Bennett picked up Shane Webke? Yes, that was yeah, a, a lucky one like 30-something years ago now. Yeah, and they both play. Him and Steve Price were playing A-grade against each other. Wayne Wayne Bennett went to look at Steve They weren't Price. playing A-grade. It was a... Yeah, they were. They played under-19 in the grand final, and then they stepped up and came off the bench in A-grade. Well, there you go. In the Toowoomba comp. So, yes, there's two of the best front rolls in the history of the game. Who hey, played uh, Jared's, Jared's analysis against mine, two players compared to, I'll put up like 10. Oh, no, no, that is, that is two legitimate examples. No, I know. <laughs> I still have Redcliffe in front, but this yeah. is a huge move by these two. The one thing I want with this one is uh, the Walker brothers to be the coach. That'd be awesome. See, I, I like the flow-on effect of um, what happens to the NRL when this happens. So, obviously, there's... Uh, obvious impact on the Broncos because, you know, that's uh, Broncos have had a stranglehold on what the up to probably Bundaberg in the NRL for, uh, sorry, in Queensland, Bundaberg East and South. Um, they've had the stranglehold of anything North of that is North Queensland. But like this affects Newcastle. 
This affects Melbourne. This affects will bolster Falcons in the Q Cup because Newcastle are linked with Ipswich Jets. Melbourne are linked with East Tigers. So, and the Falcons, because the East Tigers will be going into this together, the Falcons will what? both. No, East, East Tigers are the Firehawks. Are they? Oh, okay. Yeah. Don't worry about that one then. But yeah, so that leaves the Falcons alone. But yeah, it's just, it's a flow on effect to the, all the other NRL clubs because they've all got links to these guys. And then obviously the Broncos because the Q Cup was just a feeding ground for every. Every single um, Bob of Broncos, essentially. That, that, that was all the teams were linked with Broncos until I think it was early 2000s. A New South Wales team picked up a Q Cup team and dropped them. And then I think Manly picked up Sunshine Coast and then the NRL forced them to drop them. And now Melbourne and Newcastle. And I think the Warriors are linked with a team as well. Warriors are Dolphins, Redcliffe. Yeah. So. A lot of other teams are coming in and going, look, there's a whole competition here that Broncos have got a stranglehold on that we can pick apart, um, which they have. So this is going to like send a whole shockwave for a lot of NRL teams right now because, yeah, if it's with Jets combined NRL, that, that loses Newcastle's partnership. It could do, but I think we're getting a bit far ahead. There's still no... Oh, yeah. It will be a Brisbane I know, team. But I don't know which one it made, will be. Whatever decision gets made, an NRL team gets affected by You know what I mean? And then 2023, here comes Perth. And that's how it's going to go. Um, oh, bloody hell. I hope not. It, Indigenous All-Stars um, matches on February 20. So 16 sleeps away when we recorded, about a week and a half um, Sunday night. So teams have been named 20 per team. We've got Laurie Daly coaching the Indigenous All-Stars there. And we've got David Kidwell coaching the Maori All-Stars. And the Curtain Razor, we have the Indigenous Women's All-Stars and the Maori Women's All-Stars. Now, there were the dramas with those with regards to player rest, uh, flight restrictions, travel restrictions with the travel bubble being placed on New Zealand and Australia. Um, having issues again, placed on hold for 72 hours, but they still have enough women to make that match work. They've got 18 rather than the squad of 20 and they're still both pretty strong squads, but we'll run through the indigenous all-stars. There's three extras. So it's a 20 person team instead of 17 as it's a trial game and they haven't played since last season. So indigenous, uh, which one do you want to do? You do indigenous, I'll do Maori. So obviously Latrell Mitchell's playing fullback, Blake Ferguson and Josh Adokar's in the wing. Jack White and Jesse Ramian in the centres. That is a strong back five. Like, Jesus Christ. Um, Cody Walker, Jamal Fogarty in the halves. Yeah. Other than, other than Fogarty, that's an entire New South Wales back line. Um, Andrew Fafita, Ruben Cotter, and Josh Kerr in the front row. With David Fafita, Wade Graham, and Tyrone Peachy in the back row. Then on the bench, you've got Alex Johnson, Jermaine Tanua-Brown, Oh, he is Kiwi, uh, Indigenous. I was surprised yeah. by that. Cade Cass, Chris Smith, Tyrell, Philly Myono, Josh Curran, and Brian Kelly. Yeah. So I think a couple of weeks ago, me and Adam actually picked our squad. Yeah, um, I'd make three changes there. Yeah. Um, we we both agreed that this back line for, new, for Indigenous is lethal. Like, that is a scary thing to come up against. And I'd still make um, changes to it. Oh, most likely, but either way, we, you can put, 
like Latrell Mitchell, Jack Wyden can both play in the halves. Cody Walker can play fullback. Like you can just inter- interchange everyone around oh, yeah. just to give everyone a go. Like I really like. I would want to come up with that background. That's just athletic, right there. Athletic, oh, athletic, and yeah. speed. All the players want to play in this game. I do feel a bit for Brian Kelly though. He should be a starter considering he had the best season. Yeah, I think he. I think he five. deserves it over Ramian after the seasons both they both had. I, I'd put Kelly straight into centers. Put Jack White at five eight, and put uh, Cody Walker on the bench because I don't see what the hell. Why would you put Alex Johnson on the bench unless you're going to switch like an entire winger out and Johnson goes in over Ferguson? So well, they've actually got a five eight. Kelly, and two, a winger and a center on the bench. So, go, no, no. Yeah, so they might just it. switch up a whole back line. But yeah. awesome to see Ruben Cotter in there. Awesome to see Josh Kerr get a, a starting spot this year as well. Uh, Mary All-Stars. you got Charles Nickel clocks out at fullback. Dallin with Tenny Zelezniak and Remia Smith on the wings with Joseph Manu and Dylan Walker in the centers. Hopefully a precursor for us Manly fans of what's going to happen later in the year. Uh, Jerome Luai. And Why is Dylan Walker... Um, is Dylan Walker Mary? I didn't know that. Jerome Luai and Jerome Hughes in the half. Jesse Bromwich, James Fisher-Harris. Uh, props with Brandon Smith playing hooker. Brighton Nakora, Kenny Bromwich and Joseph Tarpany, second row on lock. That's a fun forward pack. Lots of pace, <laughs> oh, lots geez. of size. Jeremy Marshall-King, Kevin Proctor, Nelson Asafa-Solomona, Jordan Ricky, Patrick Herbert, Bailey Simonson and Benji Marshall on the bench. So they've gone with two backs, uh, two outside backs and a half. And four forwards, or three forwards and a hooker on the bench. So a fair bit of be there. Mary's definitely uh, longer forward pack, more mobile forward pack, but Indigenous have the stronger back line. I think the difference is I rate the Mary's halves better. Luai and um, Hughes, Hughes, I think that's a better better um, combination. I don't think the kicking game's overly flash with those two there, but there we go. Um you, you know you're a strong forward pack when Nelson Asafa Solomoni can't crack the starting forward pack. Or Kevin Proctor. Yeah, that's nuts. Like Kevin Proctor, Asafa Solomon, and Jordan Ricky could walk onto a lot of teams or a lot yeah. of rep teams in their forward pack, and they couldn't even make that's strong. That's, and in yeah. saying that, they might not play a minute of the first half yet; they'll play the whole second half oh. with people half time. Who knows? But it is a trial it's, game. But it's, it, yeah, if it's half as good as last year's with the intro and the the war dances and the music, it's going to be, it was one of the best, best nights of the season last year. The Indigenous Women's All-Stars, uh, Jamie Chapman at fullback, Talina Simon on one wing with Letitia Quinlan on the other, Jasmine Peters, Monique Donovan in the centres, Taylor Fui-Maono and Arika, uh, Kira Kelly, sorry, in the halves, Caitlin Phillips, Caitlin Johnson are the props with Quincy Dodd at hooker, Shania Power, Shaylee Bent, Leisha Harden, a second row and lock, Laylee Phillips, Keely Joseph, Olivia Koenig, Abley Stanley, and Neglika, sorry if I've really botched that, um, Barker on the bench, and they're coached by Ian Burke. So a couple of stars in here being Shaylee Bent and Shania Power there in the second row, um, and really also interested to see how Taylor Fuimaono, um goes at 5'8 as well. Yeah, so what was that, the women's that was, Because I don't have yeah. the women's team in front of me right oh, now. Oh, okay. This, yeah, um, sorry. That's all right. Maori women's all-stars, uh, Corbin McGregor at fullback with, I'm really sorry, I'm going to butcher some of these names, Batili Veti Welsh, Jodasai Nicholson on the wings with Amy Turner and Hayley 
to Penny, to Pine, uh, in the centres, Zahara Tamara, Crystal Tamura in the halves, with Nita Maynard, Maya Hill Moana as props, Kennedy Cherrington, absolute beast of a player um, at hooker, Zali Ivfei, Rona Peters, and Lavina Gould, a second row and lock, Shannon Marto, Racine McGregor, Roxy Murdoch, Paige McGregor, and Shanice Parker make up the bench. I love watching Kendi Sherrington play. She fights, she plays above her weight. Um, she's ferocious. She's fast. It's, she's just an awesome player to watch. They're coached by Keith Hanley. So tickets are still available from 25 bucks for adults, 50 bucks for families at nrl.com slash tickets. All some matches will be broadcast live on Nine Network, Fox League, Sky New Zealand, digital platforms, Nine Now, and KO Sports in Australia. Woo! That's the end of our awesome. segment, all of our news, et cetera, et cetera. We'll be right back at you after this quick break with our preseason analysis of the Brisbane Broncos, North Queensland Cowboys, and Gold Coast Titans. So we're starting with the Brisbane Broncos, established 1987, six premierships, one shiny wooden spoon from last year. They're going in 2021 with Captain Alex Glenn. The 2020 season, they finished 16th, six points, which are three wins, 17 losses. Their worst finish in club history. Lingering effects from last year is the fear factor of Suncorp Stadium gone or Lang Park gone. I would say it is for most teams and players. They don't really fear going there anymore. That's going to take a, a bit of time for the Broncos to get back. But I think the big thing from last year was a lack of leadership, both on the field, from the coaching ranks, and in the on in the boardroom. New CEO this year, new coach this year, similar players, a couple coming back, um, more veterans rather than shiny new pieces. Uh, this can be also contrib- uh, attributed to poor recruitment over the last few years as well, and not holding on to the young stars they've developed. So. I think we both, and we spent enough time on it, saying they completely underachieved last year, and a lot of it was shooting themselves in the foot. Luckily, they've learned from their lessons, Payne Haas. Um, so I was looking at the finish for a last. That was a slight dig. Yeah, he puts himself up for it. <laughs> if you're a Broncos fan, you can listen. To, uh, stop listening. Just what when I was looking at the stats from last year, this kind of stood out. Points for two hundred and sixty-eight. Points against 621. Both of them were last in those categories. Their average winning margin when they did win was nine and a half points. And their average loss uh, margin was 23. So when they lost, they got belted on average. And when they won, it was by one and a half uh, converted tries. Now, to put that in context, they only scored 30 more points all season then Penrith let in. So if you think about that, Penrith's defense let in uh, 268 points. Broncos scored 238. <laughs> oh, sorry, the other way around. 268 for Broncos, 268 yeah. by Penrith. Like that's scary. That's not on. That's not on. So no. that takes us on to the offseason. So Broncos ins, while they it, well, there are a few. Uh, we'll put an asterisk there. These are all for 2021 only, so no multi-year deals here. John Asiata from the Cowboys, Dale Copley from the Titans, David Mead from Super League, I believe, um, and Isaiah Tess, who's on a development contract. 
Uh, Mackay product being down in the Bulldog system. Senna, 94 kilos, 184 centimetres, 21 year old. And a quote from Kevin Walters with regards to Isaiah Tess. He has skills you can't coach. And we're happy with that, as you would be as a coach. So if you hear uh, an experienced coach say something like that, they may have a special player there, although he didn't get much of a run in the Bulldogs. We'll see what he does with the Broncos. Um, outs, Jack Bird, injury riddled career at the Broncos. Big one being David Fafita. Sean O'Sullivan's gone to the Warriors. Joe gowie has gone to the Tigers. Isaiah Parisi has gone to Union. And Darius Boyd has retired. Hallelujah. Yes. So the big in, I guess, uh, would be John Asiata from the Cowboys. And the biggest out there would be David Fafita. All right. Number three, third point, their coach, Kevin Walters. So put forward your opinions based on for Kevin Walters. Jared, what are you okay. going to bring to the table? I, I've said this before. Um, I hope he does well. Um, he was rejected from a lot of clubs for whatever reason. I don't know. He was rejected from the Broncos even though he was considered the heir apparent to Wayne Bennett yep. back in there. Um, I don't know why he's... I hope he does well. Um, his coaching record is the highest standard at State of Origin. is not slack. He's lost two series in a row. Um, he's 50-50 in State of Origin. Has he won one, has he? No, he lost the two. No, he's won he six lost... games. He's lost six games. Oh, but he's lost the series. He's lost two. And won two. Either way, um, he's there's a reason. I, I, I just want to know the reason people keep saying no to him. Like, he's finally got this job, and I hope he does well. But if he does bad, he's going to be crucified because he's the he's the guy who's going to bring back the Broncos from the old days. That's what everyone came down and said. You know, you've got to get Broncos back to the well, between 88 and 2006, their winning culture. And he won six premierships with them, pretty sure. No, he won four. Sorry, two with Canberra, something like that. Um, he, yeah, I, 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 like I said, I do hope he does well. I just want him. I just have that in the back of my mind every time I think of Walters. Why was he rejected from so many? But like he had the same, same. What's the word? Apprenticeship as a lot of coaches. Like he worked on the Be- Bellamy and Bennett as a um, assistant coach at Melbourne and Broncos. Um, you know, everyone who comes out of the system usually turns out to be a pretty good coach. But the big thing is everyone who comes out of those two systems usually have their pick of who they want to coach. Yeah. Like when Stephen Kearney came out, he picked Adam O'Brien's a good example. He picked um, Michael Maguire. He came from the same kind of thing. Um, they, they picked, but he's a different one. He's the strange one that he applied and I think about four clubs said no to him. So I I want to know that. That's the only, it's not a criticism, the only doubt I have, really. Um, there's a reason they said no. So, I, yeah, I hope he does well. Um, so when, when we get to the his, teams, yeah. oh, sorry. Throwing, I was just going to go, for each coach, I've got their stats and their journey. So his only professional coach in Australia has been the Queensland Origin team, 16, 17, 18, 19. 12 matches, win six, lost six. So his first coaching year was Toowoomba Clydesdales. Then he became an assistant for Wayne Bennett at the Broncos. 2005, Wayne Bennett did a clean out, which included Walters. Became the head coach of the Ipswich Jets. Then he went over to the Super League with Catlans. 
took them to the prelim final in the first year. Um, so he was there for 9, 10, 63 games, 25 wins, 38 losses, so 40%. Melbourne Storm assistant coach under Craig Bellamy, 2014, halves coach under Wayne Bennett at the Broncos, then became an assistant with Stephen Kearney, and then 2015 to 19 um, with the Queensland Maroons, and we are here. So as Jared said, he's worked under Bellamy, he's worked under Bennett, He's had overseas experience. It's time he has his shot. Like when you look at some of the other guys, right. he's got more experience than Justin Holbrook um, did when Holbrook got his first gig. So, Same with Adam O'Brien, 100%. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. I, I think I think it's the right pick. I'm not 100% yeah. certain yet. Brisbane and Queensland legend is a pro, but it's also a con. Does that mean he's going to walk in with rose-coloured glasses and say, oh, I mean, this place is so good, it's great to be back, rah da rah Or will he see what is missing from when it was good? So how do you think the team's going to play under him? Okay, so under him, I think under... So under his apprenticeships have been under Bellamy and Bennett. Um, I think that... Those two coaches come out with styles that are very um, basic, really rugged, um, gr- grinding teams. That's what Melbourne and um, being they have flary plays when they create that opportunity to be flary, which Bellamy and Bennett are known for. So, you know, Bennett's always been the kick to the corners attack, but then he gives it to players like Langer and stuff like that to create something out of nothing. That's what Broncos are based off. They're hard, tough defense, they're flary when they need to. It's exactly the same as um, exactly the same as Bellamy. But the part that interests me, he done well over the Super League, which is a pass the ball, very outlandish play of rugby league over in the Super League. That's how they play over there. It's very um, back to like end to end footy where they kick past, do all kinds of fun stuff. Actually, Adam actually prefers watching Super League just because it's a lot more fun. Um, so that he's got to mix them both because he's got such a young team at the Broncos that if he doesn't let them loose when they can, they're going to get bored and stale, which happened last year. Seabold, by the looks of it, too, put too many structures in their place and they just didn't have any, like, at like play. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't yeah. really have any um, expanse. So in their, pretty much in their the game. three, you just... Without any prompt, you just covered literally the three dot points I had. I had them play yeah, okay. the basics, build pressure through game control, and be more creative in attack, you'd hope. Yeah. I put in brackets. So what what we plan to do is put forward our round one team. Um, so when, when you're putting a team together, we're just going to cover this now. You can pick the best team they can put on paper, which will more than likely in the NRL season happen maybe once, if not maximum four times. If you're lucky, there's always going to be injuries. You can put forward a predicted round one team that you expect the coach to pick based on history, et cetera, et cetera. Or you can pick the round one team you would select and what you'd like to see. And that's what we've, that's what I've done over the three. And Jared's done kind of a hybrid between the best squad available um, obviously then minus casu- injury casualties or suspension casualties for round one. So I expect us to have variations 
because oh we're gonna have variations yeah we look at things completely differently so jared's gonna go off with his round one team um who he sees as the broncos best starting 13 um then we'll go from there okay so the first one out of the block you're gonna be you're gonna you're gonna laugh but i reckon he's had a rough time to his in the three four years he's played when he came on the scene he was a winger um, I really think he's got the ability to be a great fullback, and that's Jermaine Asako. Um, I I think that he could do a lot better than what's been given to him. Um, I, the biggest thing I criticism I have, he's got to improve his ball playing. But I think if you give him a year or two and go, mate, this is your number one jersey, because I think he, like the back three at Broncos have changed around so much last year, no one felt settled. So I reckon you need to give him a decent amount of time at fullback because he's quick enough, he's big enough, he's you know, he's got all the physical attributes he can catch. So I really want him to give have a decent track of fullback. I agree My with is, there, and I don't think it's his fault. His ball playing's bad. That's the club's job when they're young. It's their job to develop these skills. If he developed in the players, because the club hasn't coached them the right way or developed them the right way. I reckon. Yeah, I, Run through your team, and I'll um, I'll just go through and tick off or cross off mine. We can talk about the ones we. Okay, the wingers. Uh, Sarko's the same for me. Coates and Oates, they're the wingers for me. Um, centers are Stags, but he's injured, so I got Tessie New in the center. Um, Herbie Farnsworth, the other center. I've actually got Croft and Dearden in the halves. Croft at five eight. I really like that idea. Um, front row, I've got Lodge McCulloch. I think he needs to start. I think they need that old head in the middle of the field um, with pass in the front. Then I've got Kengai, Asiata, and Carrigan. Um, yeah. So my um, bench is Jake Turpin because he can play anywhere. Um, and then I've got Ricky, Tio, and Glenn. Unfortunately, Flegler and Milford don't make this squad. But I really like that because it shows the depth. That Broncos have like they have a good team. You look through their 30. I really like their 30. Like I'd be happy if I was Kevin Walters, I'd be happy to walk in and try and take um coach this team because they've got you know speed, size, and they're in their out back five. Their halves are strong, like they've got depth and they can play. Well, I'd say strong, but they've got depth and they can play there. And their forward pack, like even they lost for feeder, they've got a strong forward pack, and I think bringing Asiata in there is. That's a great signing. We, so, yeah, we didn't actually defer on that many positions. Um, I think overall we've got a similar style that we like watching and we and we like seeing coaches employ. Uh, I think out of your seventeen, I had sixteen of them. Sorry, fifteen okay. of them, but in, in different um, in different situations. So, yeah, I think in our starting thirteen, there's only two changes, and we'll go through. Yeah, so I agree with pretty much everything. I'm just cracking another. Yeah, sorry, guys. Um, California Love by Black Hops out of the Gold Coast. How do you keep changing beers? Like, I can't, I have to stick with the West same Coast one. IPA. Well, when you have a sour, it like cleanses the palate. It's kind of just, I wouldn't say it's like having a water, but it allows you to go back to just normal and go and anything from there. And this one's a completely different style, West Coast IPA. Hazy IPAs are the big thing in Australia at the moment. So this is more like an old school style. So should be pretty full on and bitter and looking forward to it. Um, I had everything the same. 
the players that I was missing from my 17 that you had in were Corey Oates. I couldn't find a spot for Corey Oates. I think he's just gone too far backwards the last two years, both changing, trying to change position and some pretty unlucky injuries. I think he's going to take a couple of, at least a few rounds to get his feet under him. And the fact that he's been training pretty much all preseason in the second row. That's yeah, I hate that. 17. So uh, I don't think they picked up someone like Dale Copley not to play him. And the fact that they've got such a young back line, they need someone there who isn't as quick as he is, used to be. Um, but he's always been a good reader of the game, even if his legs can't get him there. And if he's got someone like Herbie Farnworth outside him, who is quick, uh, who has quick feet, I think that should be all right. So I've got a Sarko, uh, Xavier Coates, Herbie Farnworth, Tessie New, and Dale Copley as my back five. Obviously, Katoni Staggs would be there in place of most likely Copley to me um, in that back five, and that'd be the Broncos' back five moving it's forward. A, it's a very lethal back five either way. I really like. I I wouldn't it's want to lethal, but inexperienced. Like I think yeah. you look at Penrith's back five last year; it's similar. But I also think Penrith's back five and how it all came together with all being so young is an aberration compared to generally how things work. It'd be interesting yeah. if. If, if it would happen another club i agree and sorry oh sorry i just love the fact we both don't have milford no i, I only, because... the only spot i would look at putting milford would be fullback and then that's um yeah. the thing that he doesn't have there is the ability to compete for the high ball uh, which is becoming more and more actually more used I've... than attacking uh, i think he's yeah. sorry yeah i think his biggest deterrent playing fullback is he's fit like we talk oh, i about never worry i never worry about fitness with players i just i think it's too i do fitting. like milford i'm sorry i don't think was fitness is fit. overrated i think the people call it out to be more than it is sometimes well let's put it this way there's a reason the last 10 years that slater and tedesco are the best fullbacks and they've been the fittest in the comp one of the some of the fittest in the comp yeah milford's never was but he, he, he has that, that attacking ability those guys have. Um, he just he like I, I I touched on the fact that <clears throat> um, Broncos came back underdone after the COVID break. That were the worst of it. Yeah, but that, he was the worst of the Broncos. Yeah, he was hundred percent the worst. Yeah, and just... that when he's unfit, he can't do what he did for because you know his last incredible season was. 2015, and before that is when he played for Canberra. Mm. And both those times, he was fit. Mm. Like He was lean, he was fit, and he made him quicker, made him more explosive, and he was able to do it in the, you know, the 36th minute and the in the 72nd minute. Like, these games, for the last 15 minutes, he was nowhere near the ball last year for those times. But there were 16 when, people around him doing the same thing. Well, 15, know, take out Carrigan. When, when he's on a million dollars a year, like he should be leading it, and that's what I, I don't. I don't. I think Walter's got to say to him, mate, you got to earn your spot. You've got to yeah. earn the right to be in that seventeen. And I don't think after last year he earned to be in the seventeen. He was my biggest criticism out of the Broncos, and I had a lot of criticism. See, I, I think he played horribly, but I think it, any player in his position would have done the same thing with no go forward and no defense and nothing in front of him to work off. Um, Croft was a prime example. Payne Haas, Lodge starting props. Jake Turpin starting hooker because 
if you're going to go the future in the back line, you've got to go the future at hooker as well. Um, McCulloch's not going to offer you anything with regards to attack. Um, at least Turpin will. Tavita Payne guy in the second row. And the hardest position to pick was lock because they didn't pick Asiata to play second row, I don't think. He, to me, he doesn't have the... He's got so many skills in the game, but running a hole and a line is not one that is uh, is high on his list. He can still do it, but he, he's not a Matt Gillette style or a reason why I've put him in a Jordan Ricky style player who can hit and explode through the hole. He He's much more suited to the lock with the quick footwork and step around rather than run through. So yeah, I've got Ricky as second row. I've got Asiata on the bench as my utility kind of forward. Um, Alex Glenn, only because he's the captain, is on my bench. Um, I've got And I've got Ethan Bullimore, so they have a prop on the bench and with McCulloch as a guy. Um, so you don't have McCulloch... I mean, sorry, you don't have Flegler or nah. Carrigan. No, I've got wow. Carrigan at lock. I've got Carrigan at lock. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've got Asiata on the bench. Um, Flegler, yeah. I'd, I think... Bullimore has more to offer, I honestly, to me at this at this stage. I've got Milford as my 18th man. He'd come in instead of McCulloch on the bench as a utility, uh, depending if Walters believes Turpin needs cover. But then what I did also for each team, I wasn't planning on doing this, but then I wrote a depth chart. I'm looking at the names that I've got on my Broncos depth. Ben Teo, Corey Oates, Tom Flegler, David Mead, Corey Pakes, Jesse Arthurs, and Isaiah Tass, who we met. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a, there's no elite players there, but there's good enough players who can come in and play at NRL standard in a majority of positions uh, if required. Yeah. And the disappointing thing about that is if um, Broncos don't do well this year, like, like Adam said, they've got NRL standard who can't crack the 17, um, which is great for them. If they don't do well this year, those NRL standard players not getting the game in a bad team are not going to be playing. Next, uh, will get picked up by other clubs next year. That's the disappointing thing for them because if they don't do well, no one's going to stay. Right. So, I, I, I found this the hardest of the three Queensland teams to pick only because how bad they were last year outside of literally Carrigan, there's not... There wasn't oh, an Xavier Coates in the in the second half of the year. There wasn't anyone else who's earned a starting spot, honestly. Oh, I'd say Haas did. He had a crack. He had a crack, but he was caught out a lot of times through the middle. Yeah, and but I think that showed up in Origin. Um, yeah, but that's why I don't think he should be captain. He's he got treated bad for one for me, not because because we started at the start of the year and said that he shouldn't have been playing eighty minutes. It was burnt out. And he wasn't. Like he was playing said. way less. Yeah, no, at the end of the year, he was. He realized that he's only playing... He put him on for like 55, 60 at the end of the year. But at the start of the year, he was playing 80. Um, which didn't cover... But by the end of the season, he was still having defensive lapses. But this is why I don't think he should be captain yet. Because he needs a really good old front rower right next to him. Imagine if he had James Graham next to him. How much he would learn from him about how to play football. That's what he needs next to him. And unfortunately, he's just not getting that right now. Um, and the best pharmacies here at Vaseline. <laughs> but like, you know, Broncos have had 
Lazarus Webke, Seven Deceiver, Brad Fawn, Tony Carroll. Um, so many elite front rows and you know forwards. Um, they just haven't had that in the last couple of years. And they've got them coming through, but they just had that one old head there. I think that would really benefit them like a lot. So um, eight of the 20 games last year, Haas played 80 minutes. Eight of the 20. That would have been the first eight too, probably. Uh, first three. <laughs> Yep. And then round five, 10, 11, 13, and 17. There are a couple of yeah, he, in there as well. So he, who's your player he, watch this year? So we... we them? This isn't... Their, it, it, sorry, this could be who's the key player for you or who's the player you're most excited to watch or who's the player you think will have the biggest improvement. You preface it before you say who it is. Biggest improvement, I reckon, is Sarko. Well, I mean, just pick one player, but tell us who the like why why they're your player to watch this year. What, because what? I think if only if if he gets promised that one jersey this year, I think he has the ability to be a breakout star. I know he's played a few years, but really realize his potential and be a valuable member of that squad. I really think he has that ability to, you know push for fullback of the year at Dally Ends. That's how high I rate Osako. He's he's very good. Um, you know, obviously not to Desco level, but you know, being the top five fullbacks in the competition. So um, I think you've got his ceiling higher than I'd have his ceiling. I but I really like your choice. I, I, I also think he showed enough last year in a bad team, not consistently but in glimpses that talent the talent is there. He just needs someone to be able to nurture his talent and assist in his development and actually yeah give him consistency in the jersey like Lockie is there send him down to training send Lockie like I wouldn't <laughs> right okay. actually no, that send... might make sense get him out of the front office because crap he's pulling up there is not working <laughs> um oh, who's I, yours I picked Jordan Ricky but okay I had yeah. to do a little bit of research on him because obviously his step and runaway try towards the end of the last season showed that I think one of the comments said, who's David Fafita when you got this guy? I was like, yeah, but so many players have done that. Um, so I had to look at some highlights when he was playing Q Cup and that sort of stuff. This guy looks impressive, eh? Not just in, a- in, in bursts. 190 centimetres, 106 kilos. And I watched maybe about 10 to 12 minutes of just highlights. And when it's just highlights, that's actually a lot of different plays. But things I picked up, he runs with the ball in two hands, almost to the line, not jogging his way up like a five, eight would. And defenders have to sit off him because he's got an inside ball and he's got an outside ball, both short, but he's got balls on each side. So he provides options. He was playing on both edges and he has a side step off both feet. Um, I thought it was just a left footed step. That's because he was only on the left edge and he was stepping inside. But then when they put him on the right edge, he was doing the same off his right foot. So and it's not a slow step. It's a it's a step you'd expect a center to be able to make. And his whole body moves quickly. It's quite impressive for someone of his size. He's got a right-hand flick offload, and he's quite good at support play. So when halfbacks and fullbacks were making breaks, he was usually the second or third one there in front of some of the centers. So looking at that, that's a, it's a really impressive package. And he was displaying that at Q Cup level. Uh, and I don't watch enough Q Cup to have seen it 
during the season. But if even half those skills can translate to the NRL, um, they're still going to miss for feeder, but this will go a long way to, to filling that hole if this kid's development continues to go as it, as it shows. But I'm, I'm quite keen to see how he goes uh, this year. Yeah, so he he's always has the talent. Um, I feel like a, a really talented kid like that with all those skills, again, just needs those old heads around him to keep him in line. Because obviously, we touched on what Haas did in the weekend. Um, and that's like the second time in three years. I, I don't think that would have been as publicly tolerated at the Broncos or Melbourne or any successful team like coming back into that. You know what I mean? Like, it, mm. and he's a senior member of that team. So I hope Ricky doesn't go down that path. I hope he stays on the, I'm going to get better and better and better and just work on my skills, work on my skills. And then, you know, be a, be a breakout star. He obviously has the potential to do because yeah. if you're thinking you top shit off the field, that's going to make your game like suffer. And obviously if he doesn't kick on early, Glenn can start in the second row. And I, I, still, I still do think Glenn will start in the second row when the Broncos pick their squad and Ricky will be on the bench most likely. But oh, I'd give him the crack early. What do the Broncos have to do this year that they didn't do last year to have more success? And we're not allowed to just say everything. No, they just got to go back and play to their strengths. So they've got the Ford pack that can trouble a lot of teams. So they've got to play, but... They've got to play down and dirty football, like basic football. Get out of your own end. They're, the basic they're kick- start of sets. Yeah. I'm yeah. just sticking so off the things that, that I've got that you say. Yeah, so they've got to do that. But then when they get the opportunity, I think the biggest thing is seize their moments. So when they get the opportunity, give the ball to Stags. Give it to Coates. Let Asako put someone in a hole. That kind of stuff. That's what they need to do. Um they need to be confident in when they do that stuff. But the biggest thing is don't drop their heads when it fucks up. Yeah, attitude. Yeah. Like when it when there is a mistake made, because I'm pretty sure that's what happened last year. Every time they made a mistake, their heads got dropped. The other team ran 70 meters down the field, yep. scored. They just kept happening in a vicious circle. Um, if they if they try something that doesn't work, and again, this is where the old head comes in and goes, all right, boys, we're all good. Defend now, and we'll try again in ten minutes' time. Something like that. That's what they need. Um, just some stealing yeah. them, like when something goes well, wrong. Okay, it's fine. Four of the five things that I had down here, um, you've mentioned, and I think Kevin Walters is a good person to bring in for that. Which is fix the kicking game, which will allow you to build pressure. Yeah. Um, and you earn the right to a kicking game if you get back to basics and make less mistakes. That all comes down to attitude at training, attitude in the game. And I think a cycle at fullback, Coates, Barnworth are going to be able to give you the start to the sets that you need that they didn't have last year. They're all basic points, but they're all basic things the Broncos did not do last year, hence where they finished where they were. All right, to finish the Broncos off for 2021, um, you don't have to give a specific position yet because we're still a month and a bit out. We haven't seen trial games, etc. But a, an approximate prediction of their... 2021 ladder position and with their potential no no between, where, you think they, where you think they will yeah okay. between four and eight whoa yeah no they have the team for it that's what people people were so just going on last year's results 
they I believe they good their team is good enough to make the bottom half of the top eight. I honestly do. They they they're good enough. I'm I'm putting that down as Jared's hot take. Yeah, they bloody hell. It's it annoys me that people forgetting how quality like that Xavier Coates was one of the best players in that origin series. He came up against a New South Wales team of full of Aussie players and yeah. he he won. Like he 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 put a good foot forward. Katoni Staggs, you can't speak more highly, but you put him and Bradman Best up against each other, best young centers in the competition. It's great. Yeah, Coates would, have, Coates would have loved having um, Munster and Cherry Evans inside him and then Gagai giving him the ball. That would have been tough. Oof. Yeah. Come on. He, he done Compare well. that to Croft. And, yeah, I know. He did really well, but it's in a yeah. different... I've got them improving out of sight and I've got them finishing in the bottom four. <laughs> I, I seriously I, do. I, I, I think they're two, three years away from getting back to where they need to be. Nah. Yes, I 100% agree. They've got talent all over the park, but I don't think they've got the players with the skill to get them the ball when they need it. Um, consistently. it's going. To, I think the Broncos will blow a couple of teams off the park this year, but I don't think it's going to occur enough for them to Look, be. Our, our next uh, team is Gold Coast. Okay, I'll change my pages. No, is it? Sorry. One of the teams we're doing tonight is Gold Coast. Yes. If you go, because you me, and Adam bit, yeah, me, me and Adam go one-on-one, like fullback versus fullback, winger versus winger, who yeah. wins? Everyone's expecting the Gold Coast to make the eight this year. Broncos have a better team. Yeah. Overall, across the park, they have a better team. But everyone's yeah. expecting Gold Coast to make the eight. Yeah. In their back line, like, Ford Pack's probably a bit even. But back line, Jesus Christ, Broncos shit all over them. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I don't know what that's based on. But I'd, I'd still have a champion team over a team of champions. Like, look at Origin last year. Um, do you want to go Titans last year or do you want to go Titans or Cowboys? Uh, <laughs> that was a good call. Um, go Cowboys. All right. Okay. I'll turn back my pages then. Okay. So, <laughs> North Queensland Cowboys um, established 1995, one premiership, three wooden spoons. Captains this year will be James Tamalolo and Michael Morgan. The 2020 finish was 14th. Uh, five wins and 15 losses to give them 10 points. Um, their average winning margin was 14 and a half points. Decent. So two convert try. That's pretty good. Yeah. Their average losing margin was 13 and a half points. So only one point difference. So. So when they won, you knew they won, but when they lost, you knew they lost too. <laughs> yeah. If you, now, if you if, look at them both here, that's a 28 point swing each game. Oh. You go from 14 up to 14 down, literally week to week. And and that kind of puts the Cowboys season in a That's nutshell. Kind of, yeah. 520 points against was the second worst defense in the league after the Broncos, which I didn't know until I looked that up. So thoughts on their 2020 season? I, I, I don't want to blame Green for all this, but... I feel like stale's the word. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 and I don't think it's just Green's fault. Um, there is other like he can't he can't dictate everything and he can't dictate their attitudes to him. Um, and that's what I 
the best way to describe them, they were just boring and they weren't trying anything, even though they've got so much talent in that squad. Um, I think I think it was you or Billy said in the last podcast that SN Masters came from the Tigers. He yeah. was explosive. He was dangerous. He just he he looks so lost out there. He looks like yeah. he was not sure of what his next where to go next. And he's a player that you need to give the ball and not have a plan for him. Just let him create habit. Yeah. Just let him give him the ball early and go, mate, have fun. <laughs> just, that's the guy you got to get past. Even though they finished above the Broncos, I thought the Cowboys were more disappointing as a unit than the Broncos did because they didn't have the off-field dramas that the Broncos did and they still played this badly with, I think, more talent than the Broncos had. So I think the biggest thing was, like you said, they were stale. They never gelled throughout the season. Nah. I, had a look, I went back and looked at their 20 games last year. They had a nine-game losing streak and their largest winning streak was three games. Um James Tamalolo and Michael Morgan were injured at different times and then at the same time, which didn't help. The upsides, Reese Robson, a great pickup. Scott Drinkwater, a great pickup. Isam Masters, huge disappointment, but he's still there. So they're in. Now, this is some really, they've got some really interesting players. So can you just talk about their big in first? Their biggest in is Todd Payton. Lachlan Burr. Oh, no, no, we've got, we got to hold thing on Todd Payton. But yeah, Michael Bell. Um, development contract center um got him for just oh yeah development contract kane bradley's car is 196 centimeters and 107 kilos he's came up from the west tigers as part of a trade he's signed on until 2022 that's a big body to put on the wing uh, lachlan burr from the warriors todd payton would have jumped at the chance to sign him this guy i'm kind of really excited about helium lukey Signed on just for 2021 um, to the top squad. Um, you've got Iwira, he's a second row. You've got Iwira Nanai, 2021. He's only 17. He'll play for the Northern Pride in the second row. And then Griffin Niami, 2021. Now, he's a prop that the Cowboys picked up through their New Zealand Academy. And he's going to be playing for the Townsville uh, Blackhawks this year. And all three of those players looking, I did a bit of research and looked at their their background, where they've played, their attributes. Um, I don't think Irrawira is going to crack the top squad this year, uh, the fact that he's only 17. But Griffin and Helium, I think it's Helium. It looks That's how it's spelt. I think they've got a chance towards the end of the season to crack it, and they're both really exciting young prospects. All three of them are for the Cowboys. So the future's looking up if they reach their potential. So outs, John Asiata, I Still can't get my head around the fact that they would not offer him more. Would not. No, no. I think that's he wanted that thirteen, and he was never going to get that thirteen with Jason Tumalolo there. I don't think he's going to get the Broncos either, but we'll we'll see. That that's all that is, I reckon. Yeah, Tom Oppichik's mm. eels didn't work out for him up there. Tukamia Simpkins, he was in that trade to the Tigers that brought Bradley the other way. Uh, Dan Russell, Garrett Smith released, and Gavin Cooper has retired. So Todd Payton, uh, debut as a um, debutant in the head coaching ranks outside of the internship, uh, interim head coaching he was for the Warriors last year. Uh, 2012 head coach of the West Tigers NYC team. They finished fourth in the regular season, went undefeated through the finals and beat Canberra 46-6 in the grand final. Uh, from there, he went to the assistant coach 
at the NRL Tigers team, as well as the New South Wales under 18 team, uh, won both series that he was in charge there. 2015, North Queensland NYC coach while being assistant to Paul Green at the Cowboys for their grand final win. And then 2019, assistant at the Warriors and 2020, interim head coach. So he's won two Origin series in the under 18s. He's won a grand final as an NYC coach. He's won a grand final as an NRL assistant coach. And he turned the Warriors around into one of the better teams in the second half of the season. He's pretty much done nothing but wins in coaching ranks. Um, I've got some points why he's a big in. Why is he a big in for you? I just love him. Um, okay, there we go. No, 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 no. So the reason I love him was the press conferences he, he did last year. So NRL, well, professional sporting players have a very strict structure what they have to send um what they have to talk about the press he did not stick to that once he was fantastic he told yeah him and him and another guy i can't remember his second Uh, no no st george oh dean young young um yeah those two were the best press conferences all year so i want to imagine what he says in the press conference is like exacerbated to what he says to the players. Oh, like that makes when, sense. So... is replicated to what he's... You weren't in the same... No, no, so, no sorry, as he, what he's in the press mate, He says more to the players than what he says to the press conference. So, you know, he, he's more open with them. If he doesn't like you, he'll tell you. If you've done something wrong, he'll tell you. If you've done something good, he'll tell you. So that's what I like about him. And because of that, that's what I hope. I think that Cowboys, he's going to go in there and go, mate, you done this wrong straight away. We're going to work on it together. Yeah. Get that over the line. And that's what he. Ho- that's what I hope he brings to the Cowboys. Just some honesty and stuff like that. Because um, all reports out of Cowboys that the it wasn't just Paul Green. It was the coaching staff um, weren't telling the senior players that you've done something wrong or, you know, the senior players were dictating to the coaches. He won't allow that. He'll just come and go, you know, this is a dictatorship. It's my house. You do what I say. I fall by my sword if it's wrong. You fall by your sword if you don't follow what I say. And I, I don't know if I it's that. To. Yeah, I, don't, I, I agreed with everything except for that last bit. So I've got him down as a player's coach. I, I've got him down as someone that feel that they can uh, go to with issues or concerns or ideas. And he would, yeah, so, would take that on board. But yeah, that's what, that's what it is. With your side of... Yeah, if you're out of line, there are consequences in place and you need to earn your way back in. Um, yeah. I, I don't see him as one that will say, you didn't do this how I wanted to, you're out. Um, oh, yeah, that might have been so, a bit extreme, but yeah. I've got him down as a player development coach. You saw yeah. the Warriors grow under him. But the big thing I think is he's been there before as the assistant coach. He knows the area and the people. He's comfortable with it he knows the pride of the region and he's a community leader up there um, that he's shown in previous his previous stint there the big question I've got for Todd Payton is this is the first coaching position that he's going to be under pressure there was no pressure at the Warriors last year there's very little pressure as an assistant coach generally Um, New South Wales under 18s you're there as a development coach if you get the win that's a bonus but this is the first time where he's in a very important market for the nrl who still have high expectations in a brand new stadium who still have tamalolo 
it I hope it doesn't. I don't see it happening, but if they don't get off to a half decent start and pressure starts to build, we haven't seen him in that environment before. It'd be interesting to see if anything changes. That's the the one little thing I've got in the back of my mind. I'm quite confident. I like the hire. I think he was the best coach available they could have picked up. I don't, he, they were one of the positions I don't think Sean Wayne would have made sense. Uh, I think this is the best thing the Cowboys could have done. I wish they'd kept Asiata, but outside of that, um, pretty good. So going on to the team, I found this team difficult because there are a lot of players to me at a similar level and it's which ones go in and which ones don't make it. It is literally based on efforts of last year. Um, and I've already admitted to Jared that I got my 17 with an 18th man going. That's a really balanced squad. And then realized I'd forgotten Michael Morgan. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then I put him in and I went, I don't like it. Now it's unbalanced. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how our teams stack up. So do you want to go first, bud? Yeah. Okay. So my Cowboys team, I've got Holmes at fullback. We've felt and Habitat Fidel on the wings. I got SM Masters and Justin O'Neill in the centers. I love this boy. I reckon he's got the potential to be one of the best players. Um, Scott Drinkwater at 5'8". I've actually got Morgan at half. Um, I just think that he 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 had a really crap season last year for injuries, and it might have been outside. No one actually knows. So I'm really hoping that he gets back to full fitness and plays to his potential because he is the leader they, you know, they need. Um, Maguire and McLean up front with Robson at hooker. Cohen Hess and Shane Wright in the second row with Jason Tumalala, obviously, at lock. Um, I've got Adam's favourite player, Ben Hampton, at 14. With Lachlan Burr, Corey Jensen and Francis Molo on the bench. The only struggle uh, I have slow there... Slow down, slow down, slow down. I'm right. Oh, sorry. Down. Uh, second row. Right. Oh, second yeah. row was I'm Hess and Wright. Okay, okay. Keep going. So, oh yeah. So, yeah, okay, cool. The Hampton, Burr, Jensen, and Molo on the bench. Um, I, I think that's a pretty all round team. Um, the only thing I feel like they're probably missing is a ball player in the back row. Um, Hess and Wright are very, you know, line running players. Um, I would have loved to see, you know, a player in the same mold as, say, Wade Graham kind of playing out there as a second kind of 5'8. He can mm-hmm. do everything. I know I know it's hard to find a player, but someone like that is to come on and, you know, who can create something out of nothing from that second row position, which I think will make him a bit stronger. Do you know who did a little bit of that last year? Who's that? Tamalolo. Did he? Yeah, it, but, he, he's brought in a little short pass, but you'd have to run him wider. Uh, yeah, see? To be successful. See, he's in the same boat for me because I ran on a rant last um, podcast about Roger Tuivasa-Shek. And Payne Haas is in the same boat as well. They use him as a workhorse. So, you know, you got your set. And when you set up, when you're attacking the line, you give it to the forwards who's going to run and you say if you want it on the left-hand post or the 25. You give it to the forwards who aren't going to get an impact. Who's just going to make metres. And Haas does that for Broncos. And Tamalolo does that for Cowboys. And it annoys the living shit out of me. It's so bad because you know you you give Tamalolo a block run where he's the um, he's the back. He's one. sweeping. Yeah, he's the sweeper. Sorry, I blanked on that. 
um, and you get him around outside for like a foot of somebody, he's going to break the line. But he's doing the dead plays every single time. He's doing the crash balls. And it's just, oh, it does my head in. How yeah, it, dangerous he actually is. Because uh, NRL coaches are very similar to ice hockey coaches. It, outside of probably Craig Bellamy and... There's like crickets going in my head. <laughs> They're like literally, oh, Justin Holbrook, maybe. They're very safe. It's play the percentages play the simple plays, blah, 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 blah. Very little in the way of entrepreneur, entrepreneurial play. Um, when, a, when an NRL team takes a tap 30 metres out, 40 metres out, they're not trying to score on the first three plays. If they score yeah. on the first three plays, it's a bonus. It's get us to this position on the field so we can try our one move that we practice 300 times in training. Even if there's a 20 metre gap in front of us, the coach told us to play a block. Um, Tumalo is wasted on those fronts, so I completely agree. We've got way more differences in this team than we had in the Broncos. <laughs> um, I think I agreed with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Jesus Christ. Lolo because it was just a given. Um, I had Holmes at fullback, mm-hmm. which I didn't even love doing, but yeah. Um, I, I mistaked him for Drakewater, but then I had to put Dred, um, Clifford in the halves. I don't think he's the best half they've got. I want Michael Morgan at fullback. Oh, okay. There you go. Because that's where he started his career, and that's where he yeah. that's where he came onto the scene. That's where he was freaking brilliant. That's still where he played his best football. But in order to okay. do that, the Cowboys, you need to take Cole Felt or Fido out of the team because I didn't see either of them being able to play center. Um, and they're two of their strengths because Felt's still underrated, in my opinion. He's one of the best finishers, and Fido's just pure speed, which you can't coach. And Alex Johnson shows how important that is. So you can't move those wings out. So Holmes stays at fullback. I prefer Holmes and the wing. But anyway, um, I had SM Masters in the centers. I want to see what he can do under Peyton. He doesn't really deserve to start there, but I want to see. I've got Connolly Lamelu, who was one of the few Cowboys in the second half of the season. When he got a crack at center, he was one of the few players who actually played really well. And I think he's done enough to earn a starting spot over O'Neill. I know O'Neill had the kidney laceration. Um yeah, Connolly Lamelu will offer them size, speed, and defensive, non-defensive liability that O'Neill is known for. Um, drink water at five eight. My first, oh, see, I'm still tossing and turning. I would honestly prefer Clifford at halfback and Morgan at either fullback or fourteen. Um, but obviously, Morgan's a higher quality NRL player overall, so he needs to be in your 13. So I ended up with Morgan at halfback, but I still don't 100% like it. I've got Francis Molo playing at starting prop. He was their best prop last year throughout the season. I think he's earned his starting spot over Maguire. Reese Robson at hooker. Jordan McLean at prop. I got Mitch Dunn and Tom Gilbert as my two second rowers with Tamalolo at lock. I think Hess has just fallen too far off, and I don't think Shane Wright offers enough to get a starting spot. That leaves my bench. I put Ruben Cotter at 14, uh, Lachlan Burr, Josh Maguire, and then Emery Emery Perry Perry, um, fought his way into the team towards the end of the season. He's a chunky, big prop and he's just going to add size and a bit of aggression off that bench and then i had hampton who i really do like um at my mm-hmm. man um you could you could chop and change hampton and cotter um 
I'd like to just see Cotter get a bit more game time. And yeah, I, I do really like the team here, but I did struggle with players like Cotter, Hampton, Morgan, Clifford, Dunn, Gilbert, Hess um, for those sort of positions. So that leaves a depth chart of Granville, Cohen Hess, Peter Holler, Corey Jensen, Justin O'Neill, Murray Talagi, Shane Wright, Jake Clifford, and Dejan Arcee, who I really wanted to put yeah. in. But he, to me, he is more of a 5'8", and Drinkwater did more than enough to hold his position. So, uh, I actually really actually really did like your team you put forward, just because we did mention at the start that Cowboys got a bit stale last year. And the team I actually put forward was very standard of what the Cowboys were having last year, um, which might have been that there was so lack of responsibility for your position that you knew you were going to get it next week. That you, so you didn't really worry that the fact that Adam's able to put a team on there that is strong, but making everyone else like having that depth of really quality NRL first graders mm. behind them makes it a lot better. So yeah, I really like that. Um, I, I'm quite like, if I was a Cowboys fan looking at this team in round one, I wouldn't expect us to be fighting top four, but I would be excited to watch my team play. And if your team's not going to watch the, if your team's not going to make the grand final um, or even the finals, the next best thing to look for is being competitive. And then as a bonus, being good to watch. Well, Um, see, um, that's just as a bonus, like teams aren't put together to be attractive to watch, but their teams are put together to win. But if you're not going to win the game, you want to be competitive. But this team, I could, I could get excited about watching. Well, see, what, what Adam said originally, if you're not going to make the eight, but you're going to, you know, boil it down, Proof. give it a go. Yeah. Give it a go. All you have to do is watch Bulldogs from last year. That's all they did. They didn't, you knew they weren't going to make the eight, but they gave a crack. Like, they had a crack every game. Well, they walked out there. They didn't just bow down to teams, even though a lot of teams had a lot more quality players. You know, the perfect example. Um, one week, Newcastle play, I can't remember who it was, beat the crap out of them, even though they're a top eight team, like mm. really dominated. Next week, they got beaten 30 to 12 against the Bulldogs because they walked on expecting to beat them, yeah. even though the Bulldogs came with a way better attitude. And that's what the Cowboys need to do. Even Because I don't believe they will make the eight, but even if they don't, Cowboys fans want, you know, Adam just outlined what, four young, talented players. And then he didn't even talk about Dejan Arcee as much as he could have because he's a quality... He's going to be the 5'8 for a long period of time. He's a very talented player. Yeah, so they've got a lot of depth and they've got a lot of young players coming through. So if you... If Peyton can start that Bulldogs kind of attitude this year and then build on that, because when we do hit the Bulldogs, that's going to be a main criticism. They've got the players now. Can they keep that attitude they had last year? Cowboys need to have that attitude and then build on top of that. Yeah, because... I, This isn't going to make any sense to anybody, but my, my we've talked about, I've talked about it too many times. I already know this. Sorry. Uh, hockey team in the worst ever. This year, all I wanted to see was competitiveness. We versed the best team in the comp today, the one who won the cup last year. Our coach put six of our worst players 
on the ice because they're veterans and they've got leadership and experience and all this crap. We were down three nil in five minutes. Now, huh. as hockey, if you win three nil, you're pretty happy. If you're down three nil in five minutes, yeah, we lost five one, and those six veteran players played more time on the ice than our two most talented, skillful players because he's such an old school, unrisk-taking fool and doesn't give the young guys a crack. And there's no progression. There's no advancement. This Cowboys team has an opportunity to progress and advance this year. Um, and I think they've got the right coach in place to give these guys a shot. Yeah. Um, player to watch this year out of the Cowboys. I, I pick Francis Molo. Now, he might be a weird one to pick. He's 26 years old, 183 centimeters, 112 kilos. Is their prop. He debuted way back in 2014. Do you know how many, appearances, you know how many appearances he's played in the NRL? He's had in the NRL? Over 100. 57. Wow. He played 20 games last year. Oh, so from 2014 to 2019, he played 37 games. So last year was his... Best year, obviously, he played 20 games. I think he's going to take another step up this year. I was really impressed with what he did. His average run meters are 117 out of 9.6 hit-ups. So he's averaging over 10 meters a hit-up, which is good. And his tackle efficiency is not as high as you'd want. It's at 90.8. I reckon he can get that higher. But if he and Jordan McLean can form a, a partnership of just meter eating, which I don't think Josh McGuire's still got. He, he's there as a, as a, as a workhorse sort of tackle and he'll get you some yardage. But I, I think this could be those two with Tamalolo, with Tamalolo taking the third, fourth hit up rather than the first two could really lay a decent platform for the, for this Cowboys team. Yeah. Um, Francis Bolo, he's, I can't believe he's out of young. Yep. Um, he's got another six, seven years left in him. Yep. Um, he, he was also in the Queensland development squad. He actually played for Queensland this year, didn't he? I think he played in the second game. I would have to look that up. Yeah, I'll, I'll look that up now. But yeah, he has the potential. I was just very surprised that he did. Um, he, he is that young. So yeah, you could be right there. Like He really does have the potential there. Um, my breakout star will actually be um, – I know he's not a breakout star, but people – some people don't know his history. It doesn't have um, to be a breakout star. It's just someone you want to – Yeah, so I want drink water. Um, he has – so his history was that he was touted as the next Billy Slater down at Melbourne originally. Yes. He was, the, he was the first one they fought of when Billy Slater retired. He was trained in that. He tore his ACL. And then Jerome Hughes came along. And then Ryan Pappenhauser came along when they lost a halfback. And Jerome Hughes progressed a halfback. So we can't really deny the fact that Bellamy's got an eye for talent. And the, the fact that this bloke was considered the heir apparent to Billy Slater's jersey. I mean, they haven't lost much with Ryan Pappenhauser there, no, but you gotta you gotta ask how good is this bloke to be the heir apparent? Like that's that's insane right there. Um he's got the ball playing skills. He's but his biggest attribute is his agility and his speed and his 
um, awareness of what's around him. So his I want IQ him to, is, is high. I want him to run this year. That's what I, I hope Peyton tells him to run because he, I'm pretty sure when he came over to Cowboys, his first game he scored two tries and he's ripped through. I can't remember the team, but I, I remember the game and he destroyed them. Um, and I really hope he gets the opportunity to play this year because he has the potential to completely light up this competition. And I really hope he does because he he's just a really good player. Like him and Brimson could be the two young guys coming through that could be the stars for the next 10 years. That's how high I rate him. Like he's really good. Hey, so he's... Um... Just going back to Milo, you know, he played for Queensland up to 20s, but that was in 2013. He's played 51 games for the Cowboys from 2018 onwards. And he oh, played okay. for the Broncos in 2014-15. Oh, for some reason, three, I, I knew three, he, he two was and in and the top. Three years in um, without NRL games. He, That's why he's such he, a weird... Yeah. He, he was in the top 25 for Queensland, I'm pretty He sure. might have been the development squad or something like that. I wouldn't be Yeah, I'm 40. Uh, I know he's around there. But yeah, drink water. I really hope he gets a... He really breaks out and Payton gives him the opportunity to um, that freedom on the field. If all goes well for the Cowboys leading into Origin, um, the Origin period could be really even more exciting for Cowboys fans. Cause I think it'd be a chance to throw your drink water at fullback for a bit. Cause Holmes will be in the Queensland squad and put RC in at five, eight, um, just to give him an extended run, just another player for the Cowboys to look at. Um, what do, what do the Cowboys have to do this year? They didn't do last year. Uh, it, it showed with Tamalolo out the Fords have to lay a platform. And I touched on that earlier. If McLean Molo can pick up some of that slack. And if that happens, and the Titans showed the effect this can have uh, last year. It gives the halves more time. The other thing that Holbrook did with the Titans is move Ash Taylor to 5'8", which gave him more time as well, and he had one of the best seasons he's had yet. But if those forwards can roll forward and give the halves more time, it's going to allow Morgan and Drinkwater, who aren't natural playmakers, they've kind of morphed into them, um, gives them more time to think. If both of those things happen, it will allow early ball for Lemelu and Masters, which Masters didn't get enough of last year. Um, and they need more creativity. They only average 18 points a game. And if you look at an NRL season, how many games are you going to win if you score 18 points? Especially if your defense is second worst the year before. So I, I actually think it's the opposite. Forwards. I actually think it's the opposite. For Peyton, I don't think he'll take much for for that forward pack to fire with the experience, with the explosiveness they got. It like McLean. But that's what is, I mean. It has to fire because they didn't fire. No, like but I don't think he'd take much for him to get that up. I I think unlock unlocking Drinkwater, Morgan, Holmes, Fido, like. I think that their forwards have a better chance of getting in, them into position than what their backline did last year in promoting that position. Like making. I think you disagreed with what I said, but in a completely different way. No, no. I think I I, I think that their their forward pack done well enough last year, but their backline wasn't doing a good job. Ah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think their forward pack, like McLean's, I, I, he's 
he's the forgotten New South Wales front rower. Like he's he's pretty good, um, and he and he did show that last year against uh, when he did play for the Cowboys. What he did down at Melbourne, like he was a really good front row in Melbourne. They brought him up there, and I think he has the potential. And he's only young too. Um, I really rate the second rowers they got in that squad. They're yep. strong. They're ball runners. Um, but I just think that their back line needs to gel better. Like, they've got a lot of really talented individual players there, but they've got to work together to make that good. And that's Which what I think. Which is what they didn't prob- do last year. They didn't gel. Yeah. yeah. I'm just Which looking is- at their assistant coaches. you got Steve Georgialis and Dean Young. Um, oh, shit. After top oh. eight. So you've got three forwards. Uh, not much with with regards to playmaking there. So it'll be yeah. to see who takes. Oh, sorry. Steve Gargalas, of course. Halfback 5-8. I was... um. And, and then lock. I was thinking more of the lock position, but yeah. So I, I do 180 think centimeters, 92 kilos. Like, come on, it's a pretty big half. I don't think that. I think their forward pack was good enough last year. It's their backline that let them down, and that right. came from Morgan being out, a lot of changes and stuff like that. So yeah, finishing finishing position for the Cowboys, 14th in 2020. They are going to finish. I've got them between oh. six and ten. Yeah, I've got them between 10 and 40. So you've got them um, I have. I think so. I think they're going to improve more than the Broncos will. Whereas yeah. the Broncos drastically <laughs> out in the Cowboys. Uh, yeah, I, I I just think they have a better team. Um, I don't think... I think Cowboys are where Bulldogs are at last year. Wow. Yeah. they got more talent, but they got to turn around their attitude real quick. But I, I, and I think that the, the Cowboys coach showed enough of doing that last year with the Warriors in worse circumstances than he's got in familiar circumstances yeah. here. So that, that'll be interesting. So I've got them 6 to 10. You've got them 10 to 14-ish. Um, and our last one for our first episode, and we're getting pretty tired because it's 10.30 on a Thursday night. And we're not going to let Gold Coast Titans fans down. Um, we're going to do a good job of this as we've done with the others. Well, when I say good job, we're going to put as much effort in. It's up to you when you determine it is good. Uh, Gold Coast Titans. So established 2007, zero premierships, two wooden spoons. Uh, captain going. Is that all? Yeah. Captain going into 2021 has not been officially decided yet. It's supposedly down to Fogarty and Proctor. Uh, Proctor signed on for another season. There was, we were determining whether he's going to sign or whatever's going to happen. 2020, they finished ninth. On 18 points, nine wins, 11 losses. Um, however, the biggest stat they'll probably want to fix up is their average loss. So when they did lose, they lost by 21 points on average, uh, which was the second worst behind only the Broncos. Um, out of their 11 losses, only five of them were close. Uh, were close. However, if you look on the other side of things, out of their 11 losses for the season, this is really promising for Titans fans. Only two of those 11 losses were teams who finished outside the top eight. So they were losing to the teams who finished above them. And that's a good sign. It, 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 for a team to go up the ladder, you've got to be beating the majority of teams at around your level. And they were. And the, un- the ones that they did lose were the Cowboys in round three and the Dragons in round six. And we know both the Cowboys and the Dragons got progressively worse through the season. 
So every other loss the Titans had were to your Canberra's, your Roosters, your Storm, your Penrith of last year. That's a good sign. Um, so my thoughts on them last year, they were progressive in where they needed to. Um, there's still more progression to come. And we talked last year a fair bit about the impact Holbrook had. And I wanted to see it from a statistical point of view because I'm a nerd for sports statistics like that. In 2019, the year before Holbrook, their average points scored per game were 15.4. Under Holbrook, that went up to 17.3. So you look at that two points extra per game. Might not seem like much, but then you look at the defense. They were letting in 27 points a game in 2019. That dropped to 23 points a game in Holbrook's first year. When you add the two together, that's a six-point difference or a six-point positive gain in one season per game. So if you take a converted try off your opponent's board and put it onto your board, that could change three, four games through the season, which would get them into the top eight. That's a huge turnaround to me in one year for a team that's statistically and historically been quite bad defensively and inconsistent. I just put Jared okay. to sleep. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. So with the Titans, um, I think this year Taylor is in under a lot of pressure. Again? More pressure than he's ever been under. So it's actually come out the reason he was off so long for the last two years. Yeah. Um, it was under, we're not even going to bring it up why. You can research it if you want to find out, but um, justified. Let's put it that way. So right now, they went out and heavily bought for the Ford pack this year. They bought the Ford pack. They had to. What they, one. But what that means for Taylor is that if he's not performing behind the, when we go through it, the amazingly talented four pack they've got, he's got to be kicked out. Mm. That That's honestly the thing because as a halfback, same if you've got a Brody four pack Croft? like that, what? Would you say the same for Brody Croft? Yep. Okay. 100%. 100%. Like if you've got the four pack like they've got and you're not performing, and creating opportunities off the back of they've got, you're not, especially the million dollars he's on. You're Last not season is in a contract year. Oh, well, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, with yeah, the no, money I mean. he's on. Yeah. So he's got to perform better with the four packies behind. Can I just and, put an asterisk on that first? In that I agree with 100% talented forward pack who also haven't played one game together yet. But, but, Yes, that's right. But the thing is, the Titans have got meters. I wouldn't say they're overly strong defensively. Like, Proctor's good defensively, but I wouldn't say Fafida is the strongest defensive player in the world. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say, you know, Fodawake is the strongest defensive player in the world. They're great meter eaters. Like, they're great explosive players. SASA, Tino's strong technically, but... He's not a Dale Fanuke and he's going to control that middle so well mm. that you don't think it's you know, it's tight as anything. Um, so that's the thing. Like They've got the meters in that forward pack. It's defensively I'm concerned about. But if you've got a forward pack who's made, making meters individually like these Titans forward pack will do, 
Taylor needs to be able to play off the back of that because that's what they're going to be doing. I wouldn't be surprised if they average the most meters out of every single four pack. Because if you've got Fodder Waker taking the first run, then Tino, and then they pass it one off the ruck to Fafita and then swing it the other way, you've got Proctor who can step and slide and do whatever he has mm-hmm. to do. And then you bring it back in the middle, you have Jared Wallace, which not overly flash, but that's still 60 meters right there causing damage. And then you got Brimson sniffing around for his cheeky little offload, which will be their, you know, that's pretty much going to be their game plan. Yeah, guaranteed, yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, I wouldn't be surprised if they made the most meters in the NRL because of what they've bought. But the reality of it is that if Taylor's not backing up from what the four packs will be producing, that's got to be a question mark over Taylor. Because he is the premier half in that in that team. Yeah. True. I, I think Holbrook did the best thing that any coach has done for Taylor's development last year and put him at five eight rather than half back. Oh, I love it. That change I love happened. It, it was yeah. brilliant. And I hence why I had Croft at uh five eight in my Broncos team as well, because I think Kevin Walters would have seen the effect and the more time it gave Taylor Hill Bree doing the same thing with Croft. Now, it's interesting you talk about the forward packs. The Titans literally, in the offseason, lost an entire starting six forward pack, um, if we put it together. But let's look at the players they did bring in. They brought in Herman SASA from Newcastle till 2022, Tino Fasamawale from Melbourne till 2023, David Fafida from the Broncos till 2023, Sasefo Fafida uh, till 2023, Patrick Herbert, an underrated signing, I believe, till tw- uh, for 2021. And another signing is um, yeah. Sam McIntyre from the Tigers. Oh, yes. Yes. I so that. I said they got rid of a forward back. They didn't bring in a whole forward. So if you look, the players that left the Titans in this season, I'm going to read it out um, as a forward back you put together. It's a forward back that on its day could keep you in the contest because the strengths of it will probably overcome the weaknesses. We'll put it that way. Um, you could put Ryan James at prop with Shannon Boyd, Nathan Peets at hooker with Keegan Hipgrave and Bryce Cartwright as second row and Jai Arrow at lock. That's what they lost in the off season. I'll, I rate two of those losses. Yeah, no, but I'm, just, I'm just, I'm just saying that that's <laughs> six players who, when you put them together in their positions, that's a whole thing. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, Obviously, Bryce Cartwright was never the player he was at the Titans that he was at Penrith. Uh, you could say the same with Shannon Boyd with regards to the Raiders. Nathan Peets as well for Parramatta. Ryan James hasn't been himself for two years due to injuries. He could be one of the best signings of the offseason if you can say injury mm-hmm. for the Raiders. Keegan Hipgrave to me is a loss. He, he had that edge that the yeah. Titans needed because they hadn't had someone like that since Greg Bird. Um, and Joy Arrow is obviously the biggest loss of that whole lot because he's an Australian-caliber player. You add on to that, Callum Watkins not reaching his potential. I had high hopes for him. Um, and Dale Copley, who's just an experienced head in that back line, has gone to the Broncos. That there's a In that, there's some big strengths that they lose, but they've brought in kind of younger versions of those strengths in some areas. So it's going to be interesting to see how Holbrook and Holbrook, this was the first offseason he had with this team saying, I want these players, see if we can get them. It's going to – I think it puts him in quite good stead. Do you know what? It was, um, it, it, <laughs> um, Holbrook's a very successful coach in the Super League. And we talked about Kevin Walters that 
Super League is a very free-flowing version of rugby league compared to what NRL. NRL is so structured. You can tell the players do the teams do the same set plays yeah, across all 16 clubs. Kevin Walters was um, successful in this, this. But Justin Holbrook was. Oh, very much so. Very much. Yeah. So. The thing is that I look across this team, I don't overly see that many strong defensive players, like elite defensive players. This is a very attacking across their back line as well, because, you know, Patrick Herbert, I rate him an attack defensively. <laughs> He'd be someone someone would target. Um, so, and like you said, they got rid of Copley. Copley would have strengthened that back line in defense with just his talk throughout the whole day. Um, so, I would imagine that Titans are going to score a lot of points this year, but they're going to have a lot of points scored against them. Yeah, I. I thought that too. Hence why I went back and had a look at what Holbrook did. So I thought defense was going to be one of the things that the Titans oh, need to fix up. Yeah. And I think that then, that's all they'll be doing over off season, just defending. I yeah, don't but, think that their attack will speak for itself. But within one season in a team that was in the state of flux when he came in, he improved their defense by an unconverted try in one season. So four points. He does that again. That takes their average points against down to uh, 19 which is still too high, but that puts him in the mid-pack now instead of the bottom-end pack. And with an attacking side, if your defense is in the middle and your attack's in the top quarter, you're going to be winning more games than you're losing. I do have a question with that, though. Do you think Jai Arrow saved at least one try per game, one definite try per game? Because I would say he would have. Oh, yeah. So that's where that four points... It's gone out the door to South Sydney. Yeah, you're not going to replace Jai Arrow um, defensive-wise, but who they've brought in, Tino is a better attacking player. If he's... Oh, no, 100%. But, but defensive-wise, yeah, I do agree with you there. I, I think the balance of this side this year is still better than last year, even with the losses. But we'll see. Holbrook's... This is his also second full preseason with this team. But talking about yeah. his Super League... He was only there for well, 17 to 19. He finished at the end of the night. 87 games, 70 wins, 17 losses. Oh, yes. That was his first professional coaching gig. Um, he got knocked out in the uh, prelims the first year, then won the minor premiership and the grand final in his second year. So he had a win rate of 80%. First year in a Gold Coast Titans team that's consistently been inconsistent. Uh 20 games, nine wins, 11 losses, which is the highest Titans finish in Titans finish in however long. That's 45% win percentage. You put the two together, he's had 107 games in charge. His success rate's 74%. And his St. Helens seems obviously more talented, but he was on the coaching staff at Canary St. George and Parramatta before he got an assistant coach job at the Roosters under Trent Robinson. Uh, he coached the Australia under 21s. And then he went over to the Super League. Now, I would love Justin Holbrook coaching my team. He brings a balanced approach. He's willing to try things. And he rewards form of players rather than reputation. He goes. He's one of the few coaches that goes outside that safety zone of let's just run through our sets and do this. Um, to me, he's very... Not very. He's on the path to being Bellamy-esque in that he's getting more out of players that have been the Titans than previous coaches have. And if he continues to do that, 
this club is going in the right direction. The fact that they re-signed him through to 2024 um, shows that they believe in what he's doing as well. Yeah, I I 100% agree that he has the talent as a coach to completely turn around this Titans team. Um, I just hope that he's just doing defence at Titans this offseason because I really do not see a player... Like if, if Arrow had stayed top eight, that's how much of a difference I think a player could like. If they bought Dale for Nukin, top eight, easy. Someone just to control that middle that's just going to play for 80 minutes who's going to... Yeah, I, I just don't... That's what I'm I'm missing in this squad. They have every other part of the competition, like part that you want to make it a yeah. great ingredient of a football team. It's just, that's what I'm missing for their team. And I look, can see that. Um, they've the 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 thing they've got side on their side. Fafita's young, Taylor's young, Famasuli's young. Um, they got rid of, probably got rid of their oldest player in Brian James. They've got Proctor, the old head there, which covers that. But I just think they need someone in the middle to control it. Yeah, I, I really do. And um, um, yeah, just on Holbrook, I was just thinking about just then, just before you started talking. I, if I had a choice of coach for my club. It'd be Craig Bellamy one, Holbrook two. Jesus, that's a compliment. Especially Trent Robinson around. Um, I I do I I do really appreciate what Trent Robinson has done. Um, the the only caveat there is he's had a hell of a lot more talent to work with, and I know Holbrook's only had a one season sample size, and Trent Robinson had a longer passage, so there's more chance of failure as well as success. I oh, know there's just some there's something about the way Holbrook talks and how he goes about things and his yeah. etc. that I just really like. But anyway, what's your uh, what's your round one team for the Titans? This was actually pretty easy for me. Um, okay, so AJ Brimson, obviously at fullback. I've got I've actually got Jonas Pearson on the wing. I really like him. Okay. Um, Philip Sammy, and I got Brian Kelly and Pit- Patrick Herbert in the centers. I've got Taylor at six, Fogarty at seven, um, Fodawaker up front, Jared Wallace up front with him. Um, I think he he can be that old head. I just don't think he has the legs. Legs, yeah, that will put it. I've actually got um, Tanner Boyd at hooker. I think he had he's got the body for it definitely. If he gets Ooh. fit, he's he's got a pass. He can tackle. He and he's but creative he enough out of his, yeah, he, he's Well, a lot of hookers don't. Yeah, That's the problem. Um, and he's creative enough out of there to create some issues for a lot of teams. Um, and then, obviously, you got Fafita, Proctor, and Tino in the back row. Um, the person who misses out on that starting squad is actually Peachy, but I think he's the best uti- one of the best utilities in the competition. Um, and then I've got SASA, Jai Whitbread, and my 17 rounds at the team, Sam McIntyre, because I think he deserves a crack. And he's going to bring, when he comes off the branch, he's going to bring that Nathan Brown, Keegan Hipgrave kind of attitude. He's going to come on and just bash the shit out of people, mm-hmm. you know, um, ruffle a few feathers. He's going to do that, which when you look at their team, they don't really have that. But when he comes off at 17 at the 20th minute mark, you know, start causing some issues, start hitting people, you know, yeah. borderline late, stuff like that. That's what I hope for. How different is your team? Um, 
It was looking pretty similar until we got to the forward pack. So we ended up with one, two, three, four changes in the starting 13, and then two on the bench. Um, so six overall. Oh, I was expecting okay. to have the most changes, and I still think the Cowboys kind of did. Um, he's no pure athlete, but I can't go past Anthony Don's try scoring and pace because he still actually has no. Um, Pearson, I do like, but he's still got mistakes in him under the high ball. And until I see him get yeah. his game, they're going to, because he's one of the biggest targets hit with a high ball. He's like Blake Ferguson. Um, yeah. They're just going to keep targeting him until he fixes that up. Yeah, so I've got Brimson at fullback, Kelly and Herbert. I think Herbert's such an underrated offseason signing. He's, oh, yeah, 100%. He's going to show it up. Um, Philip Sammy on the wing, Taylor Fogarty, Foot Awaker. I've got Mitch Rain. I think the fact that they got rid of Pete's and they kept Rain shows that they've got the confidence in him. I also think that with such a, not an inexperienced forward pack, but a new forward pack with so many new faces, so having just some consistent ball to start with is going to be important. And the fact that they've lost Arrow, Mitch Rain can be that person in the middle. We know he can hit high tackle counts. Um, oh, I just uh, for me, he's I don't he hasn't him. figured out his game yet. Like, I know. A- I think he has. I think he's worked out. He's not the creative hooker that people hoped he would be. And in this team, I don't think he has to be. I think there's enough creativity. Did you like Tanner Boy today? I, I don't mind him. I-, I still think that for what this team needs right now, with so many yeah. new factors and how young the team is, there needs to be stability in some key positions. And even I just want Tanner Boy to have crack. stability because yeah, I really season yeah. uninjured yet. Um, I, I really think he could do well at, at dummy half. I don't think. Oh yeah, he's, uh, he definitely could. He's got he's got one of the best kicking games in the competition. Yeah. But I don't think he's got the. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I don't think he can be a halfback in the NRL level. I think no. he's a better hooker. Yeah. yeah, and I'm just looking through here. Like you've got creativity at fullback with him. You've got creativity with Ash Taylor. You've got a kicking game and control in Jamal Fogarty. Um, and then if you got Mitch Rain, literally all he has to do is tackle and provide early ball and quick ball, which he can do. It's one of the, he's one of the yeah. best passing uh, hookers in the game. I picked the Titans rookie of the year last year as my starting prop with Fodder Waker in Jermaine Jolief. I wasn't okay, yeah. him at the start of last year, but he finished strong. Uh, I really liked him. So I'm, I'm having him there. I just don't think Jared Wallace has it in him to be a starting prop anymore until he shows that he can do more than he was showing last year off the bench. Uh, Fafida and Tino in the second row for me uh, with Tyrone Peachy at lock. This is, this oh, is Proctor. Yeah, the wow. Three Queensland, the three Queensland teams, I've actually looked at, put, I've put their captain on the bench. Yeah, wow. I, I just don't, I see what he offers. I know how, what he is, but Tino and Fafida are more damaging runners than Proctor are. And to me, I think Tino needs to be in the middle. Peachy's past, Peachy's past that 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 expectation of him being a great utility. He's freaking. He's a damn good eighty-minute player, and he needs to be on the field because he can what? do a game out of. No, he can tackle his heart out. Still, he can outrun like 90 percent of the boards in the game, and probably most of the centers actually still got pace. And he's a ball player again. Another creativity. A creative thing that Rain doesn't have to worry about. Why do people have to build out a position, like move out of position? Why he's not? He's a. Why, to me, why he's a can't lot. he? Bob, why can't he be happy as a utility? Why can't players be happy as that? I, he he could same, be happy. 
Just if I was coach, I'd want him on the field for 80 minutes. No, he, he he's too on and off. Like I would I would Do you know why he's up. on and off? Because he plays four weeks in a row starting, then another four weeks on the bench. It's pretty hard. Yeah, so starting off the bench the rest of his life. No, if he was at Melbourne, it'd make sense coming off the bench because you've got forwards in there and enough creativity, all that sort of stuff. In a team like this, to me, he needs to be on there for eighty minutes. No, he'll take. He he makes more mistakes than he's ready. He he makes more mistakes. That's going to allow that. I think he's got that expansive mind where all right. He was trying something. He made a mistake. Let's defend for it now. Whereas other coaches are like, nah, screw it. He like, and I also would not even have him in his. Seven. I also believe that Famasuli played his best games when he was playing lock. He, he did was not play. Um, he's not playing his best games on the edge. I don't. I think he's wasted out there for the way he plays. He's a crash player. He's not a. He's not a ball. He's not a line runner. He's a crash player. Oh, I think he. People. No, I think he is a line runner. I think he definitely can be. And if you've got Fafita on one side and Tino on the other side, where are you stacking your defense? Oh no, I get it. But I'm saying that you know you got Proctor, old head out there, looking after it, calling plays. You, Proctor's not a, a less of a bench player than Peachy is. No. Hundred percent. If if Peachy burns himself in 30, 40 minutes. Throw Proctor at secondary, put Tino at lock. I don't care. Um, I also think I also think it's going to take a few weeks for Tino to get eighty minute legs under him because he did it a few times here and there for the Storm, but he was also so put him at lock and bring on Peachy when everyone gets tired. Yeah, you knew it that way. I just think Peachy's now earned his spot there. Um, Proctor's nah. one year contract. Anyway, uh, my bench Sam Stone was awesome for them last year. Oof. When he when he started playing, he was really yeah, okay. so he he's got to be to me he's got to be in the seventeen. So he's on the bench with Herman Sasa, uh, Kevin Proctor, and Sam Lasone. Because uh, you need at least one prop on the bench. I still think. Um, I did. I did. I did. Yeah, no, but I mean, I'm looking at my team. I need to have at least one. Prop. Oh, I, I prefer with Stone, Sasa, and Proctor. Um, and then I've got Sam McIntyre as my 18th man. I think he'd be pretty unlucky to miss out because I really rate him high. But then I'm looking at my depth chart for the Titans, which is something they've always struggled with. Jai Whitbread, Jonas Pearson, Corey Thompson, we didn't even mention. Um, yeah. Clee Sam McIntyre is the 18th man. Jared Wallace, Sasaya Fafida, Bo Fermel, Aaron Clark, and Tanner Boyd. There's a good mixture again there of experience, youth, um, covering multiple positions. I really... Same with the Cowboys. It, it wasn't a great couple of the last two years, but this is a team and a coach and a setup and a club with Mel Meninga being involved to be excited about, I think. Um, they're really going the youth movement. This has to be one of the youngest teams in the comp outside of Anthony Don. Uh, hmm. and, and Proctor. Wallace and Proctor, but everyone else. Like, look at Brimson, Kelly, Herbert, Sammy, Taylor. Uh, well, Foggy's 27, I guess. He's going to be one of the oldest. Yeah, Leaf, Fafita, Fasamawale, Pearson, uh, you, you just keep going on. It, they're in a good spot. And I think they finally got the man um, making the decisions, the, the, the right two men in Meninga and uh, uh, Holbrook making decisions for this club to go forward. Um, anyway, last two things, player to watch. I've got a surprising pick, I'd say. Who have you got? Oh, man, I've got McIntyre. Yeah, I okay. really hope that he gets sense. a really full like season. 
Yeah. I, I really hope he gets a full season. I really hope they use him like they use Nathan Brown. And I, I, I am. I know Arrow was a big loss, um, massive loss, and he's their biggest loss. But I'm really disappointed they let go of Hipgrave. I yeah, think he too. could have been I, I really, too. like, really ran out this Ford pack. But then they signed McIntyre. I'm like, yeah, okay, awesome. I can see that. I just, he brings on their aggressive side. I know I said it before, but I, I really think that he's got, he ran out their Ford pack really well. And I need, I really hope that Holbrook gives him a go and he walks on and he just, like, hits people all day. If anyone could see, if you watch YouTube and you're watching Jared's eyes, they're just glazing over and he's looking oh. distance. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I, I've, I've, this is probably my most boring pick of the night. Uh, but I, I've got, and, and I've outlined the reasons before, I've got Mitch Rain. Oh. With Aaron Clark and Tanner, they're chomping. But the fact that they've released Nathan Teets, this is his forward pack to control with the amount of young, talented forwards he has around him. Even if he's not re-signed by the Titans, I think this is a season where he can show his worth to other clubs and show that he's still got it. And it's not going to be a breakout. It's none of that sort of stuff. I think that he has a, a huge opportunity here to be a, the glue that this forward pack's going to need to hold all that talent together. Uh, for the Titans to succeed this year, they have to do something they've never done before and say injury-free. Mm. Insane. By doing that, they need to keep a consistent roster. That's the only de- the only negative I had of Holbrook last year was even when the team looked good, he was still making changes, which I could see from his point of view, looking at which plays he wanted to keep. And then just keep doing more of the same. How they finished last season, keep improving the defense, keep giving Taylor and Fogarty early ball, keep kick chasing with that pressure, keep supporting um, the halves as Brimson doing, just keep doing more of the same. And I, I, I've got them predicted at um, five to eight. I've got them in the bottom half of the top eight. Um, they finished ninth last year. There's a couple of teams in the top eight who I see regressing while the Titans progress. So I don't see them challenging the top, top teams, but I do see them sneaking in and around that, that bottom eight at the expense of probably the Sharks, no offense, but the Knights, um, those sort of teams fighting for that that sort of positioning. I see them exactly as Adam just said. Um, I don't think they've got the caliber to beat the well-structured defensive teams. No, um, not yet. Yeah, not yet. yeah. Melbourne, Roosters, I hate to say it, Penrith. Um, Canberra. Yeah, Canberra. I don't think they have the, the, they have the attacking ability, center. but... No, it's not that. I just don't think like they. I think in the first year they'll be playing like effectively or give it to the thing, and it's, hopefully they do it, which is not enough to break down the Melbourne defensive line. Not enough to break down Canberra or Roosters. Um, you know, teams that like Adam said who have weak periods for up to ten to fifteen minutes. Times are a team where they'll put you know. 20, 30 points on them in that 15 minutes. I am looking at Newcastle in that period because they are very, that team who hasn't played an 80 minute game in a long time. Um, that's what I'm kind of, and you know what? Looking at Parramatta as well. So I think they they can beat those kind of teams, but when it comes to the really, really strong teams, they'll struggle. Um, and, well, I'm just looking at the ladder from last year. 
They finished on 18 points. Sharks were on 20. Um, huge difference in the for and against. Like the Sharks for and against was zero, which is yeah. insane itself. But Titans were negative 117. But that's one win and they tied with eight. So from nine to 11 to 10 to 10, you're in eighth position. Um, if you obviously fix up your for and against, but, and, and they're two wins off seven. I can see a two win improvement in this team. That's hence why I've got them in the, in the five to eight range. Now yeah. that's a huge episode. Uh, looking at three teams, oh. the stuff that happened this week, Jared and I are wrecked. It's now 11 o'clock um, on Thursday night. Remembering um, this is our Sunday show as Jared's going away. So this will drop Monday morning. So there is going to be news that we're going to miss. Um, our next actual recorded episode is going to be Thursday the 8th. No, sorry. Thursday the 11th, uh, where Jamie Sowell will be coming on. We'll be previewing Canberra and Melbourne Storm. And we'll also be ranking the home and away jerseys of all 16 teams. If you haven't seen them, there are some hideous uh, <laughs> oh, <shit>. jerseys <laughs> that we're going to be blinded by this year. But there are some pretty nice ones as well. So we'll be rating them. Fucking Canberra. Yeah, with with Jamie's <laughs> out next Thursday. But right now, I am going to hit stop on record, stagger to bed, and fall asleep. Yep. See you. Have fun camping, Jared. See you <laughs> next week. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio. Be sure to check out Adam's craft beer choice of the week.